the so-called high context culture and low context culture means in the high context culture normally it means culture has very long heritage and long history so you have a lot of the shared experience shared memory and people when people communicate they refer a lot back to the history and yeah and to the uh, ancient literature um, idioms so that everybody with very little words everybody understand what it means because you all grew up through that kind of cultural background and history while in the low context culture that's not the case is that you have to really be very factual very uh, detailed to the facts and in relates uh, with regard to information because people from different background that if you assume they should understand them and then you end up people will end up not understanding i think that's that's a different welcome to the immigrant experience in america an immigrant human library where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. Yeah, it is difficult to, I am struggling like you when I'm um, communicating with my family and friends back in China. And uh, sometimes they can be so high context and for the outside uh, a person it's just totally it's like a, uh, it's like a code so one day uh, within the kind of a, on the social media one of my friends he posted a photo of him because he calls himself a uh, uh, mr ma means there's a horse he posted a photo of a horse with a little bird sitting on the back of the horse so I took a look at the photo. I said to Alison, my wife, I said, oh, it's a shame. Uh, he broke up with his girlfriend. Now he's, uh, he's on his own with a daughter again. And Alison took a, took a look at the photo and said, how on earth did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is a typical example of high context. So you, you really have to yeah, be in that culture to know w- what code they are talking about. Right. And it can be exhausting. I think for me, when I was younger and I was in the immersed in the high context, more communal culture, I could pick up on the, you know, the codes and, and how people say, communicate without really saying what they want. And you, you, you know, and the, and today I find myself trying to figure out like, what are they actually saying? Because we're dancing around the issue, but nobody's really getting to the point. And it can be, I find it kind of frustrating for me today as I've gotten older and, you know, all my work life has been in a low context culture to the point you say what you mean and, you know, but it can be frustrating at times when you realize that people are Try, they're saying what they want to say, but not really saying what they want to say. So it can be so confusing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the danger when it comes to a business and work uh, situation is that it's like you said, one is frust- uh, confusing. Another point is uh, frustrating because uh, I recently wrote a little post on LinkedIn uh, talking about an experience in our workplace 
that one of the uh, we have office in Jordan, but then uh, one of the senior member is from uh, the Netherlands, the lady. So one day they need to organize a conference. So the Dutch lady was um, asking the Jordanian administrator, uh, "Can you or, or, organize this conference?" And then she started asking all those uh, detailed, low context questions. That or oh, does the conference uh, hotel have a, a toilet? Uh, does it have a dining room? What kind of food? So and so forth. So and then the Jordanian lady. Uh, later on, told me said, "I don't understand why she's asking me this. Of course, we will have all this. So because Jordan is again the Arab is very high context culture. Um, so yeah, both sides. And then the Dutch lady said, "Why is she not telling me?" And then the Jordanian lady said, "Why is she asking?" So you can see how how they end up both confusing and frustrating each other at the same time. And never really getting to the point of information that each need, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, wow! This is important work. I'm so glad that you're doing it. I recognize the need for it, and also Lainey Danslow with her book, Working with Americans. But you're coming from it um, from the UK side, from the Brit British perspective, and perhaps. Um, yeah, looping that with the the Asian culture and and so forth. So it would be quite interesting some of your um, perspective uh, that you would come out with in your in your line of work with your experience and exposure from a different part of the world. Yes, I, I totally agree. I so enjoyed listening to the two episodes you had with uh, uh, Lani about uh, cross culture, and I actually I started reading her book. Worldwide, and I spoke to her recently. So it's such a privilege to learn from that lady as well. So when you talk about the、um, Asian perspective,、um, I give you exa another example. Like any organizations these days,、um, they like to change organizational change every year or so. Every few years, when a new boss comes in.、Um, They like to review the organization, change the structure, so on and so forth. So recently, we are going through quite a few changes within our own organization. So it all of a sudden struck me that deep down, I'm still Chinese <laughs> in some ways.、Um, when the change proposal comes through, right, I took a look,、uh, and、uh, my mind straight goes to the place that's very. Programmatic, so I accept the reality. So now this is the reality. So how I'm going to work with this new proposal, this new future? Well, with my British colleagues, the first thing they do, you know what? They ask why. <laughs> they ask what's the logic in this? Why are doing this? Why are doing that? And then yeah, they are. That is totally different approach when it comes to change. There's another example in the workplace, so yeah, it's、um, eventually they will get there as well to adapt to this new change. But their first instinct is to ask the question why. While from the Asian perspective, is really quickly accept the new reality, not asking too much why, and then but find a way to work with it or around it. Right, right. 
You had mentioned during our pre-chat that your boss noticed just how well you were adapting to some projects and uh, some of your other colleagues were having difficulties. Can you share a bit about that? Sure, sure. Uh, that is referring to the, 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 the issue when we need to conduct business from different culture, we need to know the way we connect with with each other and the way we build trust with each other. So when I need to work with our Asian colleagues, African colleagues, I spend quite a lot of time just to build the relationship so that um, we know each other, the people first. Because, you know, in relationship-based culture, you need to have the relationship first before you do the business. While in a task-oriented culture, like British culture, you just go straight into the uh, task. I assume U.S. might be similar because it's kind of similar root Anglo-Saxon culture. Yes, I agree. Very low context, task-oriented, yeah. and relationships come later. You you can't just arrange a meeting uh, without knowing each other, just say hi, and then like within a minute, you dive straight into the point and uh, discuss the issue. Yeah, 15 minutes, 30 minutes later, it's done. But with a different uh, relationship-based culture, you really need to just spend time. So for example, if I were to get want to start working with them, my first meeting, an hour meeting or half an hour meeting at least, I might not talk about work at all. I just talk about getting to know each other, tell each other our life story, asking about the family, and then, yeah, uh, exchange a few jokes, if it's appropriate ones, of course, and then just connect them at the human level. And then later on, you talk about work, and everything just goes very smoothly. So that's why my boss said, how did I do it? Because I need to spend time to... Um, connect and build relationship with those people who are from relationship-based culture first. This is at our company level, right? I remember the other example I shared with you in our pre-chat is, um, I believe it's last year, uh, President Biden uh, went to the um, Arab states. I think uh, they have a, a OPEC meeting, the uh, the oil production countries. Uh, Mr. Biden went there, met with them, and um, asked them to increase the oil production. So when I saw that piece of news uh, on my feet coming through, and I said to Alison, my wife, that, oh, look at this. I said, it's a typical example of the task-oriented culture clashes with the relationship-based culture. The, the OPEC country leader didn't say anything. They were polite, but they didn't produce oil either because I thought, well, he didn't spend any time to build relationship with them. He just flying, tell them we want this. No way this can happen. Mm. Quite insightful, quite insightful, and I think 
I'm learning from having this conversation with you and also the one I had with Lainey as well in my own interaction with people from different parts of the world, this can help you help us so much on the interpersonal level because it can be quite confusing, I think, for you when you come from a different country and you're in what we call the melting pot or the salad bowl in countries such as the UK, the US, Canada, where there's so many different people from around the world, right? And a whole mixture of low and high context culture. And so you need to be able to know, uh, uh, have a tailored approach, depending on who you're dealing with at any given moment. And, and not being able to do that can cause quite a bit amounts of stress and and not being able to build rapport just on basic social levels, you know? Yes, definitely. I totally agree. I think you said that it's about tailored approach. You really nailed it. It's I often think of it as uh, the using the analogy of driving. You see, in the U.S., you drive on the right side of the road, and in the U.K. Uh, and some uh, former British colonies, you drive on the left side of the road. So it's all about you. You need to know where you are and which side of the road you're supposed to drive on. Otherwise, you either get yourself run over or you 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 cause a crash and hurt others. Definitely. I wonder, Liu, if you can then talk a bit about your experience as a person from an Asian country, from China more specifically, adjusting to life in the UK, a low-context culture, and how did you navigate 22 years and and being married to someone from that part of the world? Um, I think uh, the the answer is just learn to drop the uh, high context assumption to really make it clear um, in all the communications, including my wife, literally, and also uh, not when people asking your questions, they simply just want to ask for the facts. They want to clarify. But then sometimes for high context culture people, uh, they can feel quite frustrated, offended, thinking you should know this, you should know that. But I would I would really um, recommend to any listeners from high context culture, don't take offense. When you work with people in low context culture, it's just they really need that fact to make decision. That's the way they think. So give them the facts. It's also an exercise for you as well to learn to express yourself uh, more clearly, more logically. Because, yeah, I think it's just uh, the way it is. So if you want, now you are living in a low context culture. Uh, I just accept the reality. I just need to learn to um, to learn the um, how do you call it? Like, like I said, uh, literally learn to drive on the the correct side of the road. Yes, yes, that it is a way of communicating, almost like a different language, <laughs> like literally, because I struggled for years myself trying to just be to the point and very succinct in my communication, because I like to, you know, I, it's almost like 
you know, I go around the mountain before I actually get to the point of what I want to say. And I've had to really work at it, just being very straight and to the point and just, you know, trying to get what you need to just move on to the next decision. Yes. Yeah. 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 You definitely said that. You definitely said that because um, recently we had a meeting uh, with um, our Nigerian team. So the UK side is asking, say, um, you had a meeting with a lawyer in Lagos. Can you tell us what, what, can you give us, uh, the lady in the UK used the word, can you give us a summary of what happened? And then that gentleman in Nigeria started by describing almost like step by step the meeting with the, the lawyer. And then a few minutes into the, into his description, the lady in the UK said, can I just stop you there? Just tell me what is the decision. I don't want to hear the, the whole story. So, I mean, it appears to be rude, but actually um, uh, that is the way, the, dif- the different way people want to uh, understand the, the, the situation and people want to ask the information. Right, right, right. And I guess because the low context cultures are more towards output and production, and so if you think about it, like taking an hour to just get to the point, that's a lot of waste of time, right? For yes, yes. to get to the result that you want. So it's like, take two minutes and just tell me the information that I need so we can get closer to the output that we need, right? <laughs> oh, I, I, get, yes. I get it. <laughs> it is, it is indeed. And also the, the way high context uh, communication uh, communicates is uh, like you say it's very uh, in a storytelling narrative way it's um, it's not bullet points you really need to pick out when they are telling the story you really need to uh, to follow it very closely to pick out the key points of that story yes yes i wonder if you can talk uh, about from your perspective being an asian person navigating a low context culture were there any specific challenges that came about for you over the years, uh, Liu, that you can speak to that others might find, you know, get some benefit from hearing how you navigated it, uh, any challenges that you may have had? I think uh, if I were to share my experience as a Chinese or as an immigrant to the UK, I think it's not just a the um, low context and high context, that's a very important part. I think one thing I really learned and also um, going through this 22 years of journey is what when you move to a new country, like you said, in high context culture, you have a history, you have a background, people know who you are, when you when you move to a new country, uh, particularly in a low context country, you just need to really um, adjust your expectation. I did through a very painful way. Like I came to the UK, all of a sudden I'm working in the post room. It's a huge uh, knock on your identity. But then I learned and I want to share this with our listeners today, is I figured out actually what it is. 
what we have job or whatever we had back in our home country, that is what we are. But when we move to the country, what we are taking with us is who we are. So we might have left what we are back at home, then just leave it. It's like the luggage you can't take with you; just leave it. But then, when you come to this new country, who you are will allow you to build a new life, to build up a new package of what you are. I think I would really say I focused on the new package. To build a new package, build up a new identity for myself, based on who I am. Do you think that you are? A stronger person now versus if you had remained in China in that context, and twenty-two、um, years later, still working in the environment that you were working. Do you find that、um, it has benefited you、um, adjusting and adapting, and now forming a new identity?、Uh, definitely, I think the the universe works in a mysterious way. Uh, I can't say that if I stayed in China, my life would be X, Y, and Z. I can't say that. But what I can say is、uh, moving to the UK and the journey through this immigration journey definitely made me stronger.、Uh, particularly now, I look back、uh, at that three years working in the post room. It's really a character building exercise. It really taught me a lot of things. So, but I didn't just accept the reality. I believed in myself. I knew I'm capable of doing a lot more than that. And I knew I one day I will、uh, leave that place. I I really remember that moment.、Uh, I was working in the post room one day, and I. I stood there, just had this epiphany moment. I thought, if I were to leave this organization one day, I would never leave from the post room. And、uh, but you 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 can't just dream about it. You need to put it in practice. So that's what I'm saying. The part of how to build a new package of what you are also needs to work on a. Something that allow the new country to measure you, to know how, where to place you. So in in my case, I went straight into study while working full time. I studied、um, for sixteen years、uh, with uh, the, the university in the UK. You have this university called Open University,、um, so they allow people to study while in full time employment. So I studied sixteen years to get my second degree and another master's. So that allowed people to to be able to measure you somewhere. So yeah, I think this is、uh, definitely a journey is、um, taught has taught me a great deal of things. 
I wonder, I'm thinking of, I'm not sure if you'd like to share, but how did you handle any biases that you may have dealt with from different communities, you know, them trying to understand who you are, the way you communicate, maybe uh, pronouncing your name? Did you feel that you needed to change to fit in any particular box? I know we shared a, uh, you shared a post on LinkedIn a few days ago about people who, or maybe it was me kept coming across a post where someone said, uh, you know, they've had to change their name just to adapt to certain environments. And I wonder That's right. how. That's right. Right. Yeah. So how have you dealt with biases or dealing with people who perhaps because of cultural differences just did not understand you or, or found it difficult to pronounce your name? Um I think uh, I did, uh, when I first arrived, I did think about it to um, adapt a uh, English name, uh, which is in a way quite common for many of the uh, Chinese or Asian immigrants. But then for some reason, I just decided not to. I thought actually that is part of me. That is part of my identity and part of who I am, you know, I mentioned the concept, who I am. So I don't want to do that. And, but also vice versa, uh, I gave my wife the choice of um, whether or not to change her maiden name to my family name. Because in China, when you get married, women don't change their name. They just keep their own names uh, as, as it is. So back to my point is, it is true, it is, can be really frustrating that people can't pronounce your name. Uh, you just have to really be patient if you like, just to, to teach them. And also don't let those small things get to you too much. Focus on the big picture, what you are here for, why you are here, and what you want to get out of it. So yeah, because the by and the large, people are okay. I think they do, I do have a few incidents, actually people uh, were very rude to me. But that's other thing I learned myself is how I conduct myself, is how you conduct yourself, and how you present yourself and how you project yourself in public really determines how others will treat you as immigrant. So starting, uh, expanding a little bit from that is, what I meant by that is, um, when you come to this country, you had a quite a rough journey, one way or another, the visa, the process, so on and so forth. And then you start up, uh, yeah, you most likely, like myself, start from the bottom, but don't see yourself as a victim. So if you see yourself as a victim, you're more likely to be treated as victim as such and for a long time. And just see this as a adventure, a beginning adventure, how I did it. Say how it's like climbing a mountain. So I started at the bottom, how I can climb up to the top. So focus on that. So everything else doesn't matter. So really, they, even if they call your name, it doesn't really matter. I think that's that's not what I'm focusing on for, for my case. 
Um, unfortunately, um, I live in an area actually there are not many um, racial discriminations around it, uh, around Chinese. But I did met people a few times saying to me, oh, did you come uh, to the country at the back of the lorry? Meaning like illegal immigrants. Oh. So I didn't... I didn't get grumpy with them or uh, uh, upset. I just said, well, I came to this country just like how everybody else traveled by flight. So sometimes you need to just hold your cool. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Because my husband liked to say, you know, you can't bat after every ball that people throw at you. You'll be exhausted all day. And so right. I guess you have to choose your battles. And sometimes some of those things are just not worth addressing. So that's that's very true what you're saying. Save your energy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I really think I would like to share with our listeners from the cultural uh, perspective is that it doesn't matter which culture you come from or which country you are moving to US, UK or whichever country or the, the other way around. Because like you say, nowadays, many people from US, from Europe also move to other countries to work, to live. My suggestion is say, don't compare your own culture with the new culture from the angle of which one is better, which one is worse. Because they are different. There's no comparison. They are just different. If you compare these two cultures from the angle of trying to figure out which one's better, you, as immigrant, you're likely to end up into two situations. You either end up resent or to the degree despise the new country you moved into because you just miss your own culture so much. You think your own culture is so good. Or you want to try to fit in and you end up saying, oh, my own culture is just so inferior. This new culture is superb. Then you end up lose who you are. You lose your root. You end up becoming the... How do you call that? Um, yeah, you, you lose your uh, your root, you lose your identity. Uh, either way, you will mess up your identity big time. So that's my suggestion. Don't compare the two cultures. Try to figure out which one's better than the other one. They're different. There's no comparison. Very well said, Leo. So I wonder how, if you'd like to go ahead and share with our listeners, you know, about your new coaching practice, what services you provide, and how might they connect with you, social media or otherwise? Sure. Um, you can reach me um, through my website. It's liuliucoaching.com. Um, I suppose uh, it will be shared at the end of the program. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Just type in L-I-U, L-I-U, and you'll find me. So although my coaching program is focused on this, how to help managers to manage their projects. But for my fellow immigrants friends, so if you really want to uh, connect with me, to talk with me, to, yeah, if you think whatever I said today has some value, 
and or if you are struggling uh, one way or another, I'll be more than happy to work with you. So don't be put off by the website or it's all, I'm, I'm not manager, so therefore he won't talk with me. That's not the case. So now I'm on this show, that's my business for sure, but I'll be more than happy to work with you should you struggle in any way. Very good, Lulu. I think you have quite a bit of value to share through what you, to the work that you're doing. And yes, I am very happy that you reached out and that we connected and I look forward to collaborating with you in the near future. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to to share my experience with you, to really to get to know you. Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. I think uh, being an immigrant, it's not easy, but it's also an exciting journey. It is, it is. And I've grown, I've been stretched. I, my perspective has uh, been widened. Um, and, you know, I'm so much more of a better person, more thoughtful, and I feel more well-rounded after having been exposed to so many people. Uh, my life is just more colorful and, and more joyful. Yes, totally, totally. It, it really enriches your life. Yes, absolutely. So we encourage those who might be considering travel. Perhaps the stories that you're hearing on this show will help you deliberate and decide which country might be best for you and to get ideas about how to make that move, as well as, you know, what to expect and um, in the experience that others are having as you move or as if you're already overseas, you know, how to then make sense of some of the emotions and behaviors and maybe confusion that you might be experiencing because it can be confusing trying to make sense of the new world that you're in. But take it one day at a time and we hope to continue to bring value and stories to continue to encourage you. So walk good, take care. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.